savings gas. All right, guys, start listening again. <clears throat> All right. We have, uh, this is third Sunday, so we're going to have our lunch today after church. And uh, as usual in December, instead of doing potluck, we're going to do pizza because everybody's kind of holiday fooded out. We all have holiday meals last month, and we have more coming up, I'm sure. So to take a break from that, we're going to have pizza. And that is being brought in, so stick around for lunch. We are not going to have a bonus session after the meal, um, sadly. So just lunch and uh, fellowship around the table and uh, get to hang out and check on each other and see how what's going on and pray for each other see what's good and uh, have some good fellowship around pizza and maybe I suspect there'll be some desserts anybody bring desserts I hope yes okay all right so as I mentioned this is the third week of advent and so that means we have three candles to light this morning And so I've asked three people to come up and light candles for us. So come on up. This week we are lighting the candle that represents love. That is the pink one. Jane is going to read a little something. Then we'll light the candles. I have to hold the microphone. Don't allow the busyness of the season to control your thoughts, direct your time, and steal your heart. Take a minute to pause and think on the truly important things. Philippians 4 tells us that those things are the things that are true, honest, just, pure, and lovely. Summed up in one word, think on Jesus. Jesus reveals God's love. John 3:16 and 17. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. That's the New English translation. All right. I'm going to put the mic down while we light the candles. Romans eight thirty five through 39 Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute 
or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like, like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love that is revealed to us through Christ Jesus. It's a it's amazing as we ponder that that uh, Jesus was willing to give up uh, so much and empty himself and come take in the form of his creation, a human, and uh, suffer so much to be found as a servant and uh, to go through so much in order to bring us back into your family. And uh, this was your plan from the beginning. You knew everything that would happen. And as we ponder that, I just it makes us want to worship you more. And Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray for the service this morning. I pray that that wonder of the mystery of your love for us and that plan and uh, how you work that out through history um, would not be lost as we go through this Christmas season with all the busyness and things that go through it, that we would remember your love, your desire to have us be part of your family that is central to all of this. Just be with us this morning in this service. Thank you for preparing the message that uh, you've given Randy. Thank you for the time Randy's put into this message. And I pray you would open our hearts. And these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On Mary's lap is sleeping We can't go back Not this way But this is the way that we came I know And it will take us directly to Herod Just as he asked us to do No, won't do it We've got to protect this child Protect him? From whom? We all observed Herod's reaction when we told him of our intentions to go visit this newborn messiah. He told us to return to him to report what we saw. That's what we're doing. It is the way that he wanted information, assuring us that he was going to worship this newborn king. Did you see his eyes? Did you see Herod's eyes? Mm, they were dead. He's not known for his warmth. Besides changing course, we'll add three months to the journey. Friends, please, listen to me. Those who came before us were shown the scriptures by Daniel, of course. And then we have studied these scriptures. We've weighed them. We've found everything that there is to find. But we discovered faith. We 
follow the dazzling star for months. That takes faith. Yes, yes, that is faith, yes. But consider this. We are kingmakers. We have inherited the power to give authority and rule for generations, yes? Yes. I believe that today, today, we have found the one whom I believe we will bow to. What child is this? To whom kingmakers bow? This changes everything. This child threatens Herod. Threatens all who worship power. Oh, no. We are not going to change our plans just because you have some uninformed I had that... a vision. Go on. A dream. Last night. I thought it was just fatigue settling in. But now I know it was a warning to not return to Herod. You might have mentioned this a bit earlier, friend. You are right. This changes everything. Yes, this is Christ the King Whom shepherds guard and angels sing Haste, haste to
You did good. You sang all those songs. Those are um, some of them a little, a little uh, more uh, contemporary or a little different than the classic carols, but they tell the story and they include much of what Scripture is telling us who the Messiah is, who Christ is. And we want to look in the series on the mysteries of the Messiah, we want to look at him and understand who he is. So that's of the kingdom mystery. We are going to look at Jesus and uncover a little bit more of who he is, what was happening at the time he arrived. going to take us on quite a journey, and um, I, hope, I hope you're ready for this. You can take some notes on, on some verses, uh, put the verses up there, and I will, I will read uh, those passages so you'll have a, an idea of what this is talking about as we go through. Let's start with resistance. We are uh, experiencing this reality now, but Jesus, when he came, invaded enemy territory. This is the realm, the, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world. There is a force in opposition to God. By the time you get to the first century, that had been summed up, or at least one name was given to the overall, uh, to all of the, the kingdom of darkness, all those entities that were in that kingdom. And so we know know that individual as Satan or or the devil, so we have some 
name to tie with it, but there were many, many involved in this. So we are looking at Jesus showing up in a, in a time and a, a place that he was not welcome to the world he'd made, but he was not welcome because of the powers that uh, had gotten hold of it. So we're going to take a look at that. So Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. This is Paul writing this letter to the, to the church. And this is after Christ has come, but he's, he's trying to explain some of these things. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom. And it's rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There you go. Here's this, this secret plan. He's dealing with unseen rulers and authorities. And that's not typically how we approach Christmas. It's not typically how we approach Jesus' arrival. Uh, Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem is, uh, it becomes this warm, fuzzy event, but not like he has just entered uh, a realm that is so opposed to him, and he is going to crack things open. That is what he's about to do. But we get a, a clue as Paul explains this. He did this not just to sh save and help human beings, but the divine beings, the, the rebels, the heavenly beings that turned on God are watching. And he has some things for them as well. So that's what's happening as Jesus comes in. It's all of it. It's, it's huge what he's, what he's bringing. So we are, let's look at the uh, introduction of the Messiah. And we will take a look at this. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to be primarily. So that chapter is going to give us some... Uh, information only two of the gospels there are four matthew mark luke and john only two matthew and luke have the christmas story or some aspect of the christmas story so they're both complementary they give different information mark and john don't so they don't they don't start there they start at a different place so we're looking at Mark, which seems like a weird place to go for Christmas time. And yet, it's part of the mystery to find out more about the Messiah, to find out why he started, where he started, and what that is doing. What's, what is that accomplishing as he reveals himself? So, he is invading enemy territory, and we need to see how that plays out. So kingdoms clash. We have the expected Israel and Rome. So the country of Israel is primarily made up of the Jewish people and the uh, Jewish people, but it's two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and some Levites scattered among them 
who have come back from captivity in Babylon. They've been back in the country for a while. They've had a tough time because they've been invaded, held captive by whoever happened, Persia and Greece and now Rome. And they have been uh, just struggling to make it. But here they want to get rid of Rome. The people, the public, the normal person on the street is is tired of having some invaders, some outside force, some outside political uh, entity in their country. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for a deliverer. What they're looking for is a king who can draw them together and with God's help. That flavor when you go through the scriptures, you get a little bit of that idea when you see how uh, things play out in the Gospels and, and what people were looking for. than just a political thing. This was a bigger issue. It's, it's reaching across uh, the cosmos. This, this is different entities, unseen powers and authorities, as well as the physical ones, like the powers of Rome. So they're, they're expecting a Messiah, somebody, a deliverer, a, a son of David that could be a king and could help them rally the troops and, and get rid of Rome. And I'm, I'm saying that it's not 100% that, they were une- that that was unexpected, but it was very few who were uh, thinking that way. But there's a, a huge issue in this whole thing is God is going to defeat the powers of darkness. That's how he sets us free, is he defeats the powers of darkness. And he is going to take what... Uh, take Jesus in in this moment in the first century to show them there's another way and that he has not relinquished his position on this planet or for these people. He is bringing a whole different thing to it. So we're going to, we have all of that going on. There's some expected things, some unexpected things. Uh, Outsider, Jesus later talking to Pilate and he says, well, so are you a king? And he says, well, my, yeah, but my kingdom is not from this world. Not from this world. And Jesus is, is uh, letting him know there's a realm that is greater than his, greater than Rome, greater than the position that he has in Rome, greater than Caesar, greater than any other uh, human power on this planet. My kingdom is not from this world. So he's, he's letting him know, and he's let others know along the way too. And that's sort of the key to the first chapter of Mark is looking at there's something else going on here. He introduces Jesus, lets us know about him by giving us information that helps us see that he is in a, he's in a battle from the get-go. And, and this battle is is against the issues on earth and the issues in the unseen realm of darkness. And he's taken on both. 
and we pick that up in the first chapter, we get um, a little bit of information as we get to John, his cousin, John the baptizer, and he he's passing on this bit of information. He says, well, I've got... Uh, uh, my cousin's coming. He doesn't say that. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There's something coming. There's something in the in there's this act in the water that's illustrating this cleansing, this new life, this new new possibility. And John's introducing that. But he says somebody else is coming and he's going to baptize, immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not this realm. That's not the physical. That's not material. The The Holy Spirit is from out there. He's from heaven. He is, his power is coming, and that will make a difference in people. So here's a spiritual reality that he's talking about that is going to come upon the people in a, in a new and powerful way. And so the, here are these. There's a messenger coming, John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins, turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who's greater than I, so much greater that I'm not worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. To the people of that day, they go, wow, we've heard about these guys. We know about this. He's in the wilderness. He's down by the river. He's, he's eating bugs. He is living differently than everyone else. He is distinct. If you want to have a great ministry, I mean, just consider today. Don't you go to the big city? Wouldn't you pick L.A., New York, pick Chicago, pick... He's out at the river eating bugs. Walking with the living God, dressed in unfashionable wear. He is proclaiming the kingdom because there's something greater going on. That's the battle. That's the reality. This is not, boy, I just want to be comfortable. I want, you know, I want my kids in a great children's program. No, you want them to be able to take on the devil and his forces. This place is filled with darkness. If, it, if you don't get it, watch the news. I don't care which one you choose, watch it. See how positive it is by the time you get to the end of that newscast and you'll know humanity of God has been. That's been the answer from the beginning. Still, the answer still will be till the end when that light takes over. This is when Jesus enters in and says, we're going to take it back. This is how we're going to take it back. We're going to battle. We're going to go into battle. We're going into war. 
And so he's entered in. This is Mark explaining this. Now, Mark, just so you know, Mark is a young guy. He has, in, in, in the days of all of these uh, things happening, he lives in Jerusalem. His mom has the house where the church, after the church formed, would meet and they would pray. And when Peter was in jail, the whole group is over there praying and they're praying that that Peter would be released from jail. And then he gets out because the angel goes and gets him. You get an answer to prayer. He comes to the door, knocks on the door. Rhoda, the servant, opens the door and says, Oh, Peter slams the door, goes back and tells him, Well, Peter's ghost is standing out of the door. So, you know, way to go, guys. Keep praying. And they go, No, wait a minute. And they all run to the door, and there's Peter standing out there. Going, it's me. So, that's the house Mark grew up in. That's his mom's house. He's seen all of these things. He knew about Jesus. He knew the apostles. He knows, he knows these guys, but he's just a young guy. Then he goes on a trip later, probably as a teen or older teen, with Paul and Barnabas when they start out on their first missionary journey, and he, he goes with them to help out. And then he, he kind of blows it, and some other things happen. He gets back in the game. Then he writes this. So this is this guy. So it's not like, where did he get his info? He's watching it. He was around these people. He heard the stories. He saw what was unfolding. And he chose to pass on this information this way. Fortunately with Luke, because I told you that before, Luke is not Jewish. He's a Greek doctor, physician, and he's in a historian. So he goes out and interviews everybody and gathers information and he thinks all of it's cool. So fortunately, he goes and talks to Mary, and we have the whole story of what happened with her. Mark's going, yeah, I know Mary. I'm going to start here. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're looking at, okay, this is where he started because he sees the battle. He said, we need to know this. This is what we need to uh, start understanding what it was that he was involved in. Let's go to just an approach to God and, a, and an approach to what God is doing. So I'm going to do that. We're going to, this is God heals. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And this is just trusting God, his ways and wisdom, rather than social norms, spiritual substitutes, and self. And it just brings better results. Just trusting God. And... It is so hard, even for those of us who say, yeah, I'm following Jesus every day. I want to follow Jesus. Well, bull. It comes down to it. You go, yeah, I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to go right back. Let me read that from Proverbs 3. You're familiar. This is familiar territory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. I thought it was just taking supplements in the morning would take care of that body healing bone thing. And yet here it is, a passage that says, no, it has to do with a relationship with God and trusting him but I would just want to trust my own understanding, how I feel, what, what 
well, I've always done or what my buddies do or what I heard on TV. That's what I want to do. And we are told, no, you, you know they don't have the answer. In fact, they're not even in the battle. You realize they don't have a clue about the unseen world. They're going to pick the material world. They'll narrow it down to the material world. They'll argue the material world and leave out the eternal. Just just quickly, where will you spend most of your time alive? If you're living forever, where will you spend most of your time alive? In this material body or in that other realm? And yet, that gets dumped because we're going to lean on our, our own understanding, our own wisdom, uh, the ideas that pop up on YouTube or wherever, and there we are missing it. And he says, you want healing? I got something for you. In fact, I'll take it all the way to your bones. Hmm. Okay. So there's something about this. Uh, depending on him, looking to God, doing it his way, understanding where he's coming from. This, we look to him. He's got something in mind. It's not just our opinion. So think first century. So many of them are just thinking, we, don't, we want to get rid of Rome. We want to, and if we get rid of Rome, all will be good. And never was before they didn't have Rome. I mean, they just... They were still human. But in our minds, the Capitol building, if we just get rid of, you know, really, how much better did you do before? Or will you ever do? God is offering us something different because the battle is not just material. It's not just those things that we can see and we can add up. It's just around us. There's more to it. And that's why the wisdom of leaning on God helps so much. Jesus heals like Yahweh. So we need to know that. So there's particular things and directions when God heals and he heals a leper. And this is, this is back in the days of Moses. He gives them this information. And he says, when you detail on this, go to the priest. You present yourself, and there's certain things that they do and to make sure that the leprosy is cleared up. And now you can rejoin uh, or healed. So... This is from Mark. Jesus is dealing with a, a leper, so he heals the leper. Jesus told the man not to say anything, but to go to the priest in accordance with Moses' commands. That's Mark one forty to 45. He tells him to go there because he's healing the, the people who are watching this, and this, this person and the priest that he goes to are going... You know, they come to us for this healing to get this checked out because Yahweh has healed them. The Most High God has healed them. Our God has healed this person. So Jesus says, you go to the priest. You show them 
So what is, is being said? That the Son of God has shown up from out there to here. That God is healing. That this God on earth, the God-man, is healing like Yahweh. And he said, let's keep the rules. Check him out. Let the priest know. Let the unseen realm know. Let the people around us know. God is here. God is among you. God is at work. So he's giving us a bit of that information. We have uh, Jesus is authorized, baptized by John, and acknowledged by God. This is Mark 1, 9 through 13. And this is, uh, let me just, I'll just read that. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. So we have the triune God, Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, all there at the baptism. God the Father is saying, this is my Son. The Holy Spirit's on him. Then the, the Spirit says, okay, it's time to go. You get up out of the water. You haven't even dried yet. Go out into the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where the demons lived. That's in their cosmology. So in their thinking, that's where you go. And that's, that's where the evil so if you're thinking of, man, it's a scary place. That's where the witches are, Bigfoot, whatever, whatever it is that you think of, that's out there in the wilderness. That's where he has to go. He heads to the wilderness. He's facing all of he just He just takes it on. 40 days, which is in opposition to the 40 years with Israel when they left Egypt, and they complained. Because, you know, food wasn't right. Even if it came from, if it was manna, came from heaven, they're taken care of. God provides it. But they wanted something different. So they're always, you know, finding some way to complain about whatever's coming their way and however God decides to provide for them. Jesus goes out there and says, you know, you can make it 40 days without even eating. He's still trusting God. He's not falling apart. He's not complaining, but he is fighting the battle the whole time. So Mark lets us know, all of the Gospels let us know that, that he goes into the wilderness and he's facing immediately upon being authorized by God the Father. Because the, the, the baptism for him was not about sin. It was about launching him into a new phase of life. So he is transitioning from carpenter days and what he was doing before to now taking this message out to the people he's going to be on duty and he is headed out immediately to face the enemy to face satan the devil in the wilderness and he is taking on spiritual powers holy spirit has come on him that's a spiritual power the god the father spiritual power has come on him who is also son of god he goes into the wilderness to take on the chief the prince of the power of the air, he's going into the wilderness to face a spiritual power. 
So obviously, Christmas is all about a little baby, and we can all be comforted and have great food and give presents. Or is there some battle going on that is raging still today that Jesus opened the door on so that we can have victory, he can bring light into this world, that he can destroy the enemy? When he came in, that was the purpose. And he's still fighting that battle, and he's doing it now through us. He's chosen to use his people. That's the purpose of the church that Paul just told us about. To show those unseen beings who are watching. To see, do you, do you have a short temper? Do you just fall apart when things just don't go your way? Do you have a lot of anxiety? And they're just applauding. Yeah. That's what we want to see. Do you not get along with other people? Are you just looking out for yourself? You're ambitious. Yeah. That's what we want to see. And Jesus comes along and says, Yeah, let's not do it that way. Let's take this thing on with light. Let's take it on and go a different direction. Let's take on this battle. So even when we are alone, we know we're not alone. We are being observed, some from darkness, some from light. We're being observed. And Jesus is saying, be light. Be like a light on a hill so that this is shining. And those beings and the people around you can see when, when those times come, they can see it. He has gone in. So the spiritual battle is on. So we've got Jesus. We, well, we have the Trinity. We have Jesus in, the, in battle with Satan for 40 days. And then the angels take care of him. Those are spiritual beings too. See how many spiritual things are happening here? Not just material, physical. 40 days he's hungry. That's the main thing. No, there's a huge host of things that are unfolding here and that battle had to take place he's putting satan on notice that he's here and things are going to change and he's got some other uh buddies that aren't going to like this either jesus proclaims the gospel uh the gospel yeah what in the world is that there is a uh See, I don't know how familiar you are with, with church language, but when you say gospel, and people throw this out all the time, you know, just, you know we just teach the gospel. We, we're following the gospel. With, this just is about the gospel. And there are gospel singers. I mean, there's this gospel stuff all over. Jesus is going to proclaim the gospel, which is the good news. That's what that means. So he's going to, pro- he's going to proclaim the good news. When we say gospel, or people are typically talking about the gospel in the church or, or gospel singers or whatever, it has to do with Jesus loved us, Jesus came, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose from the dead, we have life eternal because what he's done, we get to go to heaven. That's the gospel. He hasn't died yet. And he's out there doing gospel. So what gospel is he doing in chapter 1 of Mark when he doesn't die till the end of Mark? What is happening here? What is the good news? 
in the early part in every gospel. Good news is that God's presence, purposes, and power are here. He's working the plan. That's gospel. That's good news. It starts right there. This is from Mark 1, 14 to 20. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news, the gospel. Is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, throwing a net to the water, and for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their, they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee, and Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing the nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus and his companions went to town, uh, Capernaum. He's been announcing it. Now he's going to go into the synagogue and and teach. And uh, he's proclaiming the gospel everywhere he goes, the gospel, the good news. But it's the gospel of God's presence. It's the presence of this power. It's the the uh, defeat of the enemy. He's not talking about Rome. He's not talking about political government. How in the world could you have a newscast that didn't deal with everything in our day that's all about that? And it is no different today because the powers of darkness still exist those beings are still at work and there are churches and believers all over this world who are missing it. The realm that exists around us. Jesus came to defeat that so that the material world could be better. We could be set free. It's all wrapped up in this. Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, there's joy. This is in Mark one thirty-five. He spent time in prayer early. He goes out to see his father. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. He goes out and has conversation with God the Father. He's talking to him. He's discussing the things that are unfolding, the battles that are being won, the issues at hand. And he he's just getting empowered. He's getting to hang out with, well, Father and, and the Holy Spirit and, and catch up. His job, Mark one thirty eight thirty nine, is preaching and casting out demons. Preaching and casting out demons. And he, he says, um, we must go into other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. So he demons man they had a demon problem they did it's an interesting thing that that would be the two things that he did why didn't he spend his time trying to put together 
food for the poor. Why wasn't he coming up with a better way to deal with politicians? Developing hospitals. What is happening here? He said he came to preach good news. Just check around. What are Christians today supposed to do? Hospitals, education, Christian education, put together food, food bank. Not that any of those things are a bad idea. What's the priority? What's the gospel? What's the good news? to something else why are these things set on a shelf and we focus on everything else because in our material minds influenced by a material world added to by beings who would like for us to stay distracted we find others The kingdom of God is not as impactful as it can be in in individuals and in nations. There's more to it. He wants it to be greater. It will be greater. It's to our benefit when we join him in the process. Who he is, what he's there for. And casting out demons because he's dealing with the forces of darkness. And you go, wow. Didn't even know that was a that was a thing. Man. Spiritual encounters. The battle's not just flesh and blood. So these things have been around. There's some Old Testament passages that kind of give us a clue. And I want to tell you this part because there are people uh, in the in the first century who are aware that there's there's a spiritual battle. It's not everybody's just focused on Rome. There's others who, who recognize that there is a spiritual battle. And, and they are uh, getting that from the scriptures. They're getting it from some more recent writings that uh, kind of developed during the second temple period. All of that. So we've got a number of things that are unfolding there. But let me take you to uh, terror at night. The battle's not just flesh and blood. So we're going to look at terror at night. This is from uh, Job. You know how hard it is to say that after Hobe's been here? Holy moly. Job 4, 12 through 17. Now a word was brought to me stealthily. My ear received the whisper of it. Amid thoughts from visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, dread came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my faith, face the hair of my flesh stood up it stood still but i could not discern its appearance a form was before my eyes there was silence then i heard a voice can mortal man be in the right before god can a man be pure before his maker there are things that move spirits that move spirits that come at night and you you know people aren't apt to share those things but many people experience them and those things come through and uh, spook them, uh, set them on edge. In this case, the description's pretty apt uh, and clear, gives us an idea of, of uh, what that may feel like. 
make my all my bones shake as this thing came came through. But they were aware of some of those things. They knew some of that was going on. And uh, on the spiritual side, it's in Iran, Iraq, currently in Gaza. People are coming to Jesus because Jesus is showing up, speaking to them in their in their sleep or showing up in a vision, just showing up. And they're, these are Muslims, and they're going, hmm. And it is happening. The last I heard was 300 in Gaza had come to Jesus. That's pretty amazing. But it's these encounters, spiritual, non-material encounters. Those things are happening, still happening. What were they thinking in the first century when Jesus is around, when, they, when he shows up? What is happening? Why would the casting out demons be a, be a thing? There were some who were looking for, for a king, a Messiah, who would get rid of Rome. They didn't have just one idea about the Messiah. There were multiple ideas of how the Messiah would come about. But the son of David would somehow be connected to this spiritual ability to getting rid of demons. That's going to be part of this. And so from Josephus, he kind of has a summary uh, that goes back and talks about this with uh, Solomon. So this is King David's sons. And you can find this in Josephus Antiquities. It's in 8.2. And... Uh, I want to jump down a little bit. He's talking about how many books he wrote, the kind of wisdom he had, talking about Solomon and all of those things. And he, he gets down, he says, the parables and similitudes he had 3,000 for. He spake a parable upon every sort of tree, from the hyssop to the cedar, and in like manner, also about beasts, about all sorts of living creatures, whether upon the earth or in the seas or in the air. He was not unacquainted with any of the nat- of their natures or omitted inquiries about them. So he's digging into all kinds of science, and he just wanted to know how, the, how things worked. He described them all like a philosopher and demonstrated his exquis- exquisite knowledge of their several properties. God also enabled him to learn that skill which expels demons, which is a science useful and sanative to men. He composed such incantations, also, by which distempers are alleviated, sicknesses caused by the demons. And he left behind him the manner of using exorcisms by which they drive away demons so that they never re- ever return. And this method of cure is of great force unto this day. Josephus wrote in the first century. But that was the idea that many had uh, among the Jewish people at that time the son of David, and Psalm 91 deals with that. It's, it's one of those. Psalm 151, you have to look that one up because it's not in our Bible. 151 deals with that and what David is dealing with when he's dealing with the spirits, with the demons, with the uh, uh, issues in the, in the spiritual world. And so it carried on that this idea that the son of David, just like Solomon, would be able to do this get rid of the demons expel the demons so if you've ever wondered so why is it that eight and a half pound baby grew up to be able to get rid of demons
Messiah, the son of David, would do. So here he is actually doing it, which is pretty cool. So that's Josephus. So Jesus, the deliverer, he's, he's offering truth. He's saying, this is how you can have a relationship with God. Here's the good news, and we're going to overcome the darkness. He's preaching, and he's casting out demons, giving light, giving direction, giving instruction, and dealing with the powers of darkness at the same time. That's chapter 1, Mark. You go, this is... It's not exactly the Christmas story I knew. He is taking them on. It's in every book. Everyone's about the battle. Everyone is about his victory. We have a whole lot more about the Messiah we need to learn. He's amazing. Jesus, the deliverer. So, for us in our day, dealing with the things that we deal with, uh, the darkness is still here. Remember, those spirits don't die until uh, Jesus comes back and takes over and he sends them all into the lake of fire. So they are still here. People come and go. They're still here. Still having to deal with them. So to take this on, even if you shared the things I just told you with people, I guarantee you, you will get rolled eyes. You will get stared at. People will just leave. They may have things to say. So it takes grit. So grit is going to be important to prepare the way for the Lord. It was important then. It is important now. It's unchanged. The battle is on. And it is a battle between light and darkness. And Jesus came with good news that God is with us. And we can have the victory over the enemy. We have hope. We have light. We have love. He's just bringing all that to us. That is good news. So let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the scriptures and recording these things for us. Thank you that the darkness will not win. And Lord, that we can lean on you. We can truly trust you to give us guidance and wisdom and direction and find healing for our bones. Lord, you are on our team. You're on our side. You want us to be part of your family and you want us to, uh, to grow in, in truth and in love with you and with one another. Thank you for making it possible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's come upon us and leads us and uh, the example of Jesus in all this as well. And during this Christmas time, it really does uh, bring all of that to the forefront. We thank you for it. Lord, be among us, and I pray that you would bring uh, the power that is necessary to break the evil that may be holding any one of us back from following you, from trusting you, from... being trapped by the darkness. I pray that for freedom and for everyone who believes and receives you right here, right now, that they would know it, that they would know the freedom, that their minds would clear, their hearts would beat faster with excitement for all the things you are doing and will do. And we give you praise and thanks in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
Christmas everywhere In the hearts of all people Both near and far Christmas everywhere Feel the love of the season Wherever you are On the small country roads Lined with green mistletoe Big city streets Where a thousand lights glow Let it be Christmas everywhere Let heavenly music fill the air Let every heart sing Let every bell ring The story of hope and joy and peace And let it be Christmas everywhere Let heavenly music fill the air Let anger and fear and hate disappear Let there be love that lasts through the year And let it be Christmas Christmas everywhere Let it be Christmas everywhere With the gold and the silver, the green and the red Christmas everywhere In the smiles of all children asleep in their beds In the eyes of young babies, their first fallen snow Elderly's memories that never grow old Let it be Christmas everywhere Let heavenly music fill the air Let every heart sing, let every bell ring The story of hope and joy and peace And let it be Christmas everywhere Let heavenly music fill the air Let anger and fear and hate disappear let there be love that lasts through the year And let it be Christmas, Christmas everywhere Let it be Christmas everywhere in the songs that we sing and the gifts that we bring Christmas everywhere In what this day means and what we believe From the sandy white beaches where blue water rolls Snow-covered mountains and valleys below Let it be Christmas everywhere Let heavenly music fill the air Let every heart sing, let every May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
We have a meal coming up. We've got pizzas already delivered. We've got, uh, we'll set some tables up out here, and then y'all stick around and 